Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Let's let Pastor Paul know that we appreciate him tonight as he comes. Give him a big Texas welcome to Denton. Amen. As he comes to preach the word. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Good to see all of you tonight. Amen. I like this pulpit because it makes me feel tall. I feel like Pastor Blake gets taller every time I see him. But this pulpit, it's, it's, it looks the same as ours, but it just, it's just shorter. So it makes me feel taller. I like it. Amen. It's good to be here in Texas. It's 10 degrees hotter here than it is in Colorado Springs. And it's beautiful here. And we just appreciate the invitation, the opportunity to be here with you and to see so many people that we get to see at conference. And now we get to see you on your own home turf. Amen. We're going to have a good few days together. I believe God's going to help us. God's going to meet us in this place. Amen. I need the Lord just as much as you need the Lord. Amen. Your pastor is right. We come, we all come to receive. And I need to receive from God as well. And I just pray that God would just speak to every heart in this place. And you know, he will if we ask him to. God, give us ears to hear. Over and over in Scripture, it says that let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen? Ears to hear. Let's be people that can hear from God. You know, if we just simply say, God, speak to me. Lord, speak to my heart. Can we just pray that right now? Just bow your heads with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life in this revival. Do a miracle in me. Lord, you know what I need. I ask you to do it in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's going to do it. Can you say amen? Praise God. If you have your Bibles this evening, if you would turn over with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. How many brought a Bible with you? Hold it up where I can see it. Hold all the paper Bibles. Let me see the paper Bibles. Everybody got, a, everybody got a digital Bible? Hold that up. Come on now. I know you don't want to admit it. I tell our church, I'm bringing back paper Bibles to church. I might even just mess some people up and tell them, put a different verse up there on the screen. People are like, that's not what he's saying. Amen. It's good to get you a good Bible that you can read and write in and write in the margins and let God speak to you in his word. How many know that he speaks to us in his word? And thank God for his word. He gives us his word in the Bible. You say, well, I want to hear God speak to me. I want God to speak to me audibly. Well, then read your Bible out loud and you'll hear God audibly. That's how you hear God. If you want to hear the voice of God, just read your Bible out loud. And there you go. Amen? It's easy, isn't it? I'm just preaching it simple here tonight. How many need the gospel simple? I mean, I'm not going to preach over anybody's head here tonight. We ought to all be able to understand it. If you think, well, he's not deep enough for me, well, I'm sorry. That's just the way we are, right? We all need it. I need it simple. 
Amen. And the Bible is true. The gospel is true. And I just thank God for what he gives us. And if we take time in his word, and if we just ask him to speak to us, he'll show us things that you never even realize were in the Bible. Sometimes people read the Bible and they just skim it. It just goes over the surface of it and they miss a lot of things. And I don't care how long you've been living for God, how long you've been around church, and maybe you grew up reading the Bible. If you will pray and ask the Lord to speak to you, you'll always find something new. Sometimes you read something and you think, man, man, I've read this before, but I never saw it like that before. And I pray that God does that for us this weekend and that God does it for us tonight. I want you to look at with me in John chapter 21. It's an interesting chapter because... In John chapter 21, it's almost like you wish God had just stopped at John chapter 20. At John chapter 20, that's where Jesus is resurrected and there's miracles that are taking place. And it's, it's a wonderful chapter because in chapter 21, things are, are kind of take a, a, a right turn here. Or let's say a left turn. Not in the right direction. It's in the other direction. The Bible talks about Peter, a man by the name of Peter, how many know that, that Peter was hard-headed sometimes? He, w- he had a soft heart, but he was hard-headed. And there were some things that needed to be ironed out and worked out in Peter's life. And, and we're going to see how Jesus addresses this man. And he says, and we're going to jump around. I'm going to actually start from the, from towards the end and work backwards a little bit. And it says in John chapter 21 and verse 15 that when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. I want to look at a couple of things here. One is that he says, do you love me more than these? What's he pointing at? Is he talking about the fish? Is he talking about the disciples? What's he, what is he pointing at and, and concerning himself with? And he asked Peter several questions here, and there's questions that you and I can answer for ourselves tonight. And he asked him, he says, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than what's around you, what you can lay your hands on, what you can see with your eyes? Do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That word love right there is more than just, uh, it's for, for, for Peter, he's, he, it's, it's kind of like I like you a lot. That's how it's coming through to Jesus. Peter, do you love me? And, and, and he calls him Simon. He calls him by the name that he had back when, before Jesus changed his name. I might know that's a little bit cold. I thought I was Peter. No, he says, no, Simon, it's interesting, isn't it? We, never, we don't look at it like that, though. He's, he's calling him by his name back when he was a sinner. How many know Peter right here is not the most holy man? If you go back a little bit, you see that Peter has made some bad choices, and somewhere in our own Christian walk, we need to move from this like, I really like Jesus a lot, right? Because sometimes we have that, you know, the L word, people choke on that in relationships. They don't want to say, I love you. And if they do say, I love you, sometimes you wonder, do they really love you? Is it just something that they're saying, or they, do they just mean, I really like you a lot? I love my church. Well, that, what they're really saying is, I really like my church a lot. Do you love me, 
Simon. We have to move from an emotion love to a devotion love. Because how many know a devotion love is not temperamental? A devotion love is not on again, off again. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't really feel like it right now. How many know that a devotion love is a love that, that is not based on how you feel at the moment? And sometimes we just don't feel like doing certain things, right? Has anybody else besides me ever been where you don't, I don't feel like going to church tonight? You say, well, you're the pastor, especially pastors. <laughs> well, I just don't feel like it right now. But, it, but, we, but we keep coming back and we, we've committed ourselves. That's what we need to move from in our life. And Jesus, he doesn't just say it one time to this disciple. He says it several times. He says to him again a second time. Verse 16, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know, he's not just talking to any old disciple here. He's talking to Peter, the one that he had called and, and met on a, on, on the, when he was fishing. And when he'd called him out of a, of a life where he was doing his own thing and he, and he had invested heavily into Peter's life. He's not just anybody. He, he walked with Jesus. He was, he was close to Jesus. He was, he was right there. And in, in verse 31, if you jump to Luke 22, and you may not get there fast enough, but it says, the Lord says to Simon, again, he calls him Simon. He says, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. There was a time when, when, Peter was going through some things, but Jesus was predicting something that was going to take place in Peter's life. I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, I'm not going to make you go through these things. I'm just going to take away all your troubles. He says, Simon, Satan has asked for you. Do you remember in the Bible, and I'm just going to give this to you. You can look it out, look at it and study it later on. But there are times when the devil goes between the earth and and the presence of the Lord, and back. And he goes and he asks. He did it with a man by the name of Job. Remember Job? Job had his troubles, and here comes, here comes the devil. He goes from here up into the presence of God, and, he, and he's asking for Job. And I can just picture the devil saying on behalf of this guy, Peter, he says, he, he says let me have my way with Peter. I'm just kind of paraphrasing here because Jesus says, Satan has asked for you. You know, the devil is asking for you. He's asking for me. And he, what does he want to do? He wants to do just like with Peter. He wants to sift us as wheat. Can you see it right there? Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But look at the next verse. And I have prayed for you. Not and I, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail when you have returned. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. He says, I'm, I'm predicting that, that something is about to take place in your life. I can see it coming down the road, and the, and the devil's asked for you. I've, but I've prayed for you. I mean, if anybody, if you want anybody praying for you, how am I know it would be all right if Jesus prayed for you? 
Thank God for other people, but Jesus says, I've prayed for you. I wish he would have said, well, I'm not going to even make you go through those troubles. You're not even going to have to face those battles. I'm going to remove the battles. But he says, no, he says, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Of course, we know the rest of the story because you look at the next verse. In verse 33, he, says, he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. He says, I, don't you worry, Lord. I'm, hey, I'm tried and true. I got your back. I'll stay with you. There's nothing that's going to separate. I'm, you, there's no way that I, would, that I would turn my back on you. I'm going with you all the way to the death. Then what does he, what does he do? He says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. He, he did what a lot of people have done in life. They turned their back on the Lord. He goes from being, a, he's, he tells other people to live right, and then next thing you know, he's over there cussing and saying, I don't even know the man. He's, he's hiding behind the fire, and they're, and they're saying, oh, you were, with, you were with him. You're one of his disciples. I've seen you with him. No, I don't even know the man. And he, did, he does this three, three times. It's interesting, isn't it? That three times he denies Jesus, and three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? I want to hear it. I want to hear it from your lips. And, and, and imagine the, 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 the shame and the embarrassment that goes along with that as, as Jesus is there and he's, and he's looking into his eyes when the, when the day before, just before this, he's been denying Jesus. He's turned his back on Jesus and Jesus asks, do you love me? I want to ask you tonight, do you love him? No, really. Not do you like him a lot. Not do you love him with the, the kind of love that, you know, people love the, the cowboys. But would you die for the cowboys? I mean, some people, they're, you know, they're big fans, but. He says, do you love me, Peter? Here's a man that was a leader among other disciples. He's given up his livelihood. When he left fishing, when Jesus called him, what did he do? He goes and gets his brother, Andrew, and he says, we're going to follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. And what did they do? They, they left their stuff. They just went and followed him. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? That's, that's devotion. That's a commitment. And he asks him, do you love me? You know, when we're living in a day in 2023 when you've got to make a decision and decide, am I going to stand for something? Am I going to, to live right and live for something? Am I going to deny Jesus? Am I going to be the kind of person that when things get rough and, and, and the world starts turning against us that we, we say, oh, I don't even know the man? Or are we going to be committed in our faith and be able to answer this question as Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? You know, we say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? And people love that. That sounds great, doesn't it? That's, that's, that's great for us to say. It's not how you start, how you finish. But how many know if you don't get the foundation right, you're asking for trouble? Because when people say they love Jesus, what they're really saying is, I love the people I go to church with. I love my ministry. I love my pastor. I love the way he preaches. I love the praise team. Hey, nothing wrong with good preaching. I love good preaching, and thank God for good preachers. 
But there are people all over this country that are in love with a preacher. They're in love with a personality. They're not in love with Jesus. They love their church. They love, the, they love that they have easy access in parking and it's close to their house. And that they can get coffee when they get there and, and whatever. All those things are good. But do you love him? He, sa- he says, do you love me? We want people to love him, but also be obedient to him and be able to withstand the, the trials and the tribulations. And when, when all hell begins to break loose in their life, they can still say, you know what? I still love Jesus. Let me tell you, there's going to be some battles that you're going to face. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden you just walk out of here and then you just, you know, walk around on a cloud all the time. I live in the same world you live in, and so does your pastor. We, we, we deal with problems and devils, and the devil doesn't care any more about your pastor or me or, your, or any other pastor than he does you. We deal with, with things in life, and we face things in life. And I've met people, they love theology, they love doctrine, they love apologetics, they love to argue Christian faith, they, want, they, love, they love the Bible, they can quote the Bible, they love all of those things, but they don't have a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ. They can't say, I love him. Jesus drives that point home with the man that was closest to him as a disciple. I mean, he was close. He was tight. Jesus, he did miracles, and Peter saw it. He walked with him. He was there when people, when, when, when lives were touched and people were set free and delivered. And the question is not, do you love serving in ministry? Because Peter, Peter was there, man. When they were handing out bread and feeding the thousands and doing all this stuff, Peter was right there. The question isn't, do you love ministry? A lot of people love ministry. We got people, we do, we do two services. Let me just throw this in for free for Pastor Blake because if it happens in our church, it's probably happening here. We got people that they like to, they like to, they want to be there when it's their time to serve, but then they want to dip out when it's, you know, church time. They'll come for ministry, but, you know, if they, it, we do a thing where Pastor Blake probably does the same thing. You serve in one service and you participate in the other. You guys do that here? It's good. It's how it should be. We need to be fed. Thank God for the ability to come and sit and be fed and, and to receive from God. It's not all about just your job. We don't go to our church, our regular job, then come and do our church job. And I think some people, they get burnt out on ministry because all they do is their ministry in their own strength. And the reason they can't handle serving and, and being committed, listen, we, we've been in ministry for a lot of years. You think pastors don't get tired? What is it that keeps pastors going? If we do it in our own strength, we're destined to, to, to burn out too. If we're just doing it because this is what our job is, it's going to wear us out. You know how many people come and go and how, how uh, disheartening it is when people come and they, they come from some other place and then, and then next thing you know, they're gone. It's terrible. 
And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm, that's not why I came was to hurt anybody's feelings. But let me just tell you plain. We, the reason we don't put all our stock in people that just migrate from church to church is we know that if they left somebody else, they'll probably leave us too. And if they're talking, don't even come and talk to Pastor Blake or myself about how bad your old church was or whatever it was that you came out of, because if you're talking about them, you probably talk about us when you go on your way. That's just the way it is. And don't worry, I'm not picking on anybody because Pastor Blake hasn't told me anything about anybody so if that's your story, it's not because of anything he said. I'm just, I'm just saying it. Amen? Is that all right? Do you still love me? It don't matter anyways, but if you love Jesus, that's what matters, right? Do you love him? If you love him, then you'll serve him. And it doesn't matter what, if the praise team messes up or if the, if the pastor just doesn't preach a good message one week or whatever, somebody hurts your feelings in church. How many people say dumb things? Even pastors sometimes say dumb things. We put our foot in our mouth. Peter put his foot in his mouth a few times, didn't he? Made some bad decisions. I love what God is doing. I love this fellowship. I love the camaraderie. I love seeing people that I've, that I've seen in conference. In fact, I love conference. I love when, when people come together. But do we love those things more than we love Jesus? We ought to be careful. And the reason I'm preaching this, this is, not, this is not meant to be deep, and it's not to be hard to understand. We have to come to this conclusion that I love Jesus more than anything. He's my rock and my foundation. He's the place where I start. If we don't get the starting line right, if we don't get the foundation right, everything else is in vain. Everything else is just do, us doing our Christian works. And churches are full of people that are, that, are, that are doing those things and they're spinning their wheels and they're burning out and they're, they're unsatisfied because they're drawing on the strength of other people and when somebody else fails, they just go right along with them. Oh, how could they do that? Well, I don't know how that person could have, could have sinned. If they can't make it, well, I guess I can't make it either. Where is Peter? He's on the, on the side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And you know what he's doing? He, first of all, he took seven people with him. If you want to leave, let me just tell you, you just leave all by yourself. You don't got to take seven people with you. Right? I'm going to throw that in. I'm throwing that in for Pastor Blake, too. I'm going to say it to our church when I get back. You don't got to post it on Facebook. You don't got to say anything on social media and air your grievances and give your theology of why somebody's wrong and what, you know, sing that somebody done me wrong song, right? He took seven other people with him. Go back and read it. He took those guys with him, and what are they doing? They, they're, they're off fishing. What is it that makes a person give their life? For somebody else. What is it? When, when you talk about somebody who goes on a battlefield somewhere on the other side of the world and they sacrifice their life, what is it that makes them do that knowing that they're going, and you ever re read these stories about Medal of Honor winners? People that have received the Medal of Honor that threw themselves, they get, a, they get an award posthumously later on after they've already died, they threw themselves on a grenade because they did it for their friends. What is it that makes somebody do something like that? Love. 
It's love that does that. What is it that makes somebody stay in a marriage and work through and, and, and navigate those difficult hard times and the, and the struggles of marriage? Let me tell you something. Marriage is not an easy thing. It takes a lot of I'm sorry's and a lot of I forgive you's. What is it that makes somebody stay committed in a marriage and give themselves to, a, to one person? We've got some, a couple in our church, 70 years they've been married. 70 years, that's a long time. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good accomplishment. What is it that makes somebody, you say, I don't, I don't think I could be with the same person for 70 years, looking at that same face. Well, you ain't so good looking yourself, let me just tell you. Somebody's got to look at you. What is it that makes a pastor? You know, Pastor Jones has been in our church for, I don't know what it is, 45 years now, this year. 45 years we're celebrating. It's pretty, pretty good for one pastor being in the same church. When a lot of pastors don't make it that long, people, they, people, they, they, change and do different things. Thank God we have a, a pastor that's committed himself. What is it that makes people do that? It's love. It's a love, for, it's a love for people, but more importantly, it's a love for Jesus. It's a love for the Lord. You know, love is an emotion, right? But it's an action word. It's an action word. It, it, it's demonstrated. Love is demonstrated. We don't just say we love somebody, we demonstrate it. That's why when we sing these songs and we're worshiping God, it's a demonstration. What we do matters. Us lifting our hands is not so that somebody can say, well, look how holy and spiritual they are. They've got their hands up. It's a, it's a, it's a demonstration. It's an honor. We're honoring him. There's reverence for him. Love has to be tended like a fire. It has to be taken care of. It has to be fueled. If love is going to be maintained, it has to be protected with persistence. There has to be purpose in our lives. We've got to guard our hearts. And, you know, Peter's interesting in, in that he, he's at one time he's courageous, but then at the same time he's a coward. I've seen people, they, they, they've got, they look tough. They, in fact, when they were in the world, they, they were a whole lot different than when they got saved. Somehow they lost all that courage. Maybe it was the alcohol, that liquid courage they had, you know, made them act stupid, right? He was called out of the fishing business. He was a true disciple. Peter was a, a true disciple. There were times he did dumb things. He fell asleep at prayer. I don't know if you've fallen asleep at prayer, but Peter fell asleep at prayer. Jesus asked him, couldn't you just stay awake for a little bit and pray? How many know that's dumb? But that's, that's like us. I mean, he, sent, he did sink when he was walking on water, but how many know he walked on water? Anybody here ever walk on water besides ice fishing? I did that once. And in John 21, where, what's Peter doing? Peter is out of the will of God. You know what he said? I've already blown it. I've made this bad decision. You know what he said? I'm going, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm out. Come on, guys. He was a leader when he was serving the Lord, and then he was a leader after he left. He says, I'm going fishing. What? He's completely out of the will of God. He's doing his own thing. 
21, John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. You know that what they said? We're going with you. He didn't have the courage to say, you know what? You guys should stay and, and, and do what you know you ought to do. They went out, and immediately they got in the boat. And that night they caught nothing. I mean, this is their job. This is what they knew. I mean, they're professional fishermen. They caught nothing. And there they are. And if you read the rest of the story, I mean, they could have, if they're fishing all night, they weren't just fishing on one side, right? They didn't just spend the whole night because they're fishermen. They were only fishing on one side. Jesus says to them, he says, you got, have you guys caught anything? Are you making any progress? Are you having success in that thing that you said you were going to do because you didn't want to follow me and now you're going to, now you're backslidden and you're away from me? Have you caught anything? That ought to be a wake-up call to every person that is out of the will of God. How's that going for you? How is that working for you now that you've said, you know what, I don't, I don't need all that church stuff, and I don't need to be committed and be involved and, and, and serve God and, and give him my, my whole life. I'm just going to do things my way. How's that working out for you? In all of our years, in my years of ministry, having watched people that have come and gone, I have seen people that have, that have been in the will of God, and then they turn their back on God. And I watch, and I'm not saying this as a threat at all. Please don't misunderstand me. Sometimes people think, well, he's just cursing me. No, I, I've seen the pattern of what happens when people remove themselves from the presence of God, and they take their lives in their own hands. Things begin to fall apart. And it's not just them, it's their kids. Imagine how much of the New Testament we wouldn't have if Peter hadn't come to, get, come to the right conclusions right here. I mean, he had, a, he had a couple of letters. Look at the miracles. and Look at all the, the lives that were changed. Look, it was Peter that got up at the, on, the, on the day of Pentecost. And he began to preach. It was Peter that was doing those things. It, he, it was Peter it, it, that, that was, was seeing miracles take place. And where would we be if Peter didn't get this right? We think it's just us. Well, if I, if, I don't, if I don't make the right decision, if I don't serve God, if I don't give God and Jesus my all, if I don't give him my complete devotion, it's just me that, that suffers. It's just my life. No, it's never your, just your life. It's yours and all of the people's lives that you're going to touch, and you'll never see the fullness of God working in your life if you only look at your immediate circumstances. Sometimes we just look and we say, well, I, I just don't see things happening. I mean, I've, I've blown it. I mean, you don't blow it much worse than, than cursing out the Son of God. He blew it. Because Jesus, I think it's, it's, it's crazy how Jesus looks at him in that moment. That rooster crows a third time. And he look and his eyes catch Jesus. And it's like, he knows and I know. Now, where do you go from there? He says, I'm, I'm going fishing. Here comes Jesus. And he's, he's got a, there's a fire on the shore. He sees these guys out there. Have you guys caught anything? Nothing. Come on in here. What does Jesus do? Make some breakfast. That had to have been a good breakfast. These guys were following Jesus not too long ago. They get up there. They're sitting there, and the fire's flickering on Jesus' face. 
He's looking at them, and he locks eyes with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. No, Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? I think in that moment, there was a decision made in Peter's heart. Something happened in his life. Something needs to take place in our lives. Somewhere we have to, every one of us come to a place of, of, of decision where we resolve in our heart, this world has nothing for me. There's nothing good. I've seen it. Listen, you've, you've seen it. You've seen what happens with people's lives when they just live and they just don't have any cares and they just do whatever and they're, they're, they're living the, the, the high life in the world. You've seen what happens. Your life does not have to go that direction. Somewhere we come to a place where we say, you know what, I don't want any part of that. I'm making a commitment, and this is my decision. And he says, and I do love you. I do love you. That's a revival. One person giving their life to Jesus, that's a revival. You say, I wonder when we're going to have a revival in this nation. Listen, I wonder the same thing. I think if we would, if we would get a hold of our own hearts and say no to sin... And make up, make up, a, make our minds up that we're going to be we're, we're going to be more in love with Jesus than we are with our sin. Then we would have a revival. Peter didn't find any fulfillment out of the will of God. What have you caught? Nothing. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't quit on you? Aren't you glad that he'll give you another chance? There's another opportunity that he gives us that other opportunity. Ask them this question, how is it going with you? With such intensity, he asks them, do you love me? In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy where he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. You know, God loves you. He loves you deeply. Pastors preached it. I preached it on, how, on the love of God and how deep His love and how far He's willing to go to love us. But this is not a message tonight about the love of God. We all know that God loves us. God so loved the world, you know that verse, that He gave His only Son that whoever believes on him, this is not a message about how much God loves us, even though we know he does. This is a, mes a, a message on do you love him? There are some things that God needs from us as well, and he needs our devotion. So the question is, do you love him more than your sin? Do you love me, he says. More than these. Do you love Jesus more than you Love your failures. Because some people, they, are, they, they, they won't admit it, but they love their failures. They're always talking about them. And their failures are what keep them from moving forward in God. Where would Peter be? In, where would we, we wouldn't even have the, the New Testament if Peter lived in the failures that he made. Everybody's made some, make, make some mistakes. Everybody's had some failures. And you know, Christians are some of the most judgmental and unforgiving people. The world is more forgiving many times than church people. 
A lot of times church people, they'll cut your water off. They say, well, you know what? You made it. You blew it. You don't have any more chances. You're done. Thank God that, went, that there are people that have come to an altar and everybody knows that that person made some bad decisions, made some mistakes, and they come to an altar and, they, and God redeems that person and rescues that person and turns their life around. Thank God for that. Do you love him more than yourself? What was Peter doing? Peter was doing what Peter wanted to do. You know, there's a lot of things that, that I've wanted to do in life. There have been times I say, you know what, I don't want to be pastoring. I'd rather, I'd rather do a lot of other things. I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, make T-shirts. <laughs> that was a thing when we were probably 25 years old. We're going to make T-shirts. We're going to do a T-shirt company. Oh, we're going to do this. We got, we got big plans. We're going we're gonna to buy houses and do these different things and all these different things. There's been many opportunities where we could have taken our lives in another direction. That's what Peter was doing. Peter was doing exactly what Peter wanted to do. He was not doing what Jesus had called him to do. And some people do anything. They'll, they, they'll miss a lot of services for an extra dollar in their paycheck. Do you love Jesus more than you love yourself? Do you love Jesus more than you love your, your, your job? I'm not saying you quit your job. I'm saying that we prioritize some things in our lives because of our love for him. God will take care of you. I've, seen, I've, I've been in ministry for a long time and seen how, how God has supplied supernaturally and miraculously. God will put you in a position and he will, he will give you a place of responsibility. You don't even deserve that job. You didn't, you don't even, you, you, you're not even qualified for that job. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? How many work a job you're not qualified to do? Be honest now. But me and Pastor Blake are raising our hands too. God will put you in a place. He'll elevate you. He'll open doors for you. But the question is, do you love him more than you love yourself? It's the sacrifice of self. And I want to close on this. I'll ask our musicians if they would begin to come. The sacrifice of self. Ronald Reagan said this in one of his inauguration speeches. He said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years Telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Let me tell you this, and you can write it down. Selfish, selflessness built it. Selflessness built it, but selfishness abuses it. Selflessness built it. What does that mean? Just take a look around you. How old is this church, Pastor Blake? How old are you guys in the ministry? Fifteen years? You, you guys, this, this church, 15 years. Some people just come in and praise God, you're here. But many times people don't realize the sacrifice that made this church. You know what? You didn't paint it. You didn't have to build the wall. You didn't have to put in the carpet. You didn't have to, to labor and invest in it. And so sometimes people, because they didn't have to do those things, they abuse it. It's like that in this country. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not running for office or anything here today, or any, and I'm not uh, politicizing things. But you know, the freedoms that you enjoy protect those freedoms, because people, 
don't appreciate many times the sacrifice and the lives that were lost and laid down and given for the liberties that we enjoy. Selflessness built it, built this country. The people that fought for it. Let's just talk about the, the gospel. You know how many people have been martyred and given their lives on foreign soil and here alike? And, and you can read about it even in the news of people that are, that are giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. Somebody had to lay their life down. Jesus says to Peter, he says, you're going to have to go through some things. Read the rest of John 21 a little bit later. You're going to have to go through some things, Peter. You're going to have to fight through. You're going you're to be crucified. You're going to give your life. You know what Peter did? He did like a lot of disciples did. He looked over it at uh, one of the other guys. He said, well, what about him? What's he going to have to do? That's Peter. I mean, that, that's, we're, we're, we can relate. How many can relate to Peter? Well, you're going to have to pay some serious price. Well, what about him? What's he going to have to pay? Don't you worry about him. You worry about your own self. He says, I'm going to use you, Peter. I'm going to do something with you. You know, when Jesus calls you, when Jesus touches your life, and I believe that he can, he can touch anybody in this place, you are not too far gone. You might be going through some things, and you may say, you know what, I don't even know what I'm, where I'm heading in life. I don't even know what, what my future holds. Don't you worry, he knows your future. And when he takes your life, and if you say, Jesus, I give you my life. And, Lord, I do love you. Not like a whole lot. Not because the church is close to your house or you like the people and nobody says anything that's going to hurt your feelings, anything like that. No, because I really, really love you. When, he, when you do that, you know what he does? He says he calls you. Every one of us, he calls us. He gave them a mandate. He says, I've, I've called you. To go into all the world and preach the gospel, he gives them all of these things. And look at 2 Timothy 1.9. I believe I gave it to him. 2 Timothy 1.9, it says it like this. He has saved us. Maybe I didn't. He has saved us, and he has called us with a holy calling. 2 Timothy 1.9. You can look it up later. But according to his own purpose. You know that, that holy calling that he calls us to is not this greasy grace kind of modern day salvation where everything goes. And we just have the, we just add Jesus to as a as an add-on to our already uh, uh, unclean life and bad habits. No, that's not what that holy calling is all about. That holy calling is a calling that is calling us out of a of darkness. And he says, you know what? You are you are set apart. Your life is set apart. If that if we don't get that foundation right, if we don't start right or go like Peter and start again either start or start again, then we're not going to end right. It doesn't matter if you go through all the church motions and do all the Christian things and you speak Christianese, whatever that is. Right? What matters is that we come to a place of decision and we get down on our face before God, maybe at an altar or somewhere. Maybe, maybe it was a youth camp. But somewhere we get a hold of God and we, we lay ourselves bare before him. He knew everything about Peter. He knew they didn't catch anything. 
He knew they were, they, it was futile. He comes and finds Peter. Have you caught anything? Nothing. Oh, I'll tell you what. You don't want to get five years, ten years down the road having produced nothing and your life is fruitless and you've wasted ten years, five years, ten years, who knows how many years. Don't even waste, don't even waste six months. Don't even waste a week. Say, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to serve him. He's called us with a holy calling. He says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. What does that mean? That means it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. And what is he about? He's about people. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, what about me, Lord? What about me getting fed? What about my needs? What about what I need to do? No, he says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Serve, your, serve each other. Live for me. Invest in people. Pour yourself out. You will never go wrong, and you will not be out of the will of God if you say, God, I want to live my life according to your holy calling. I pray that God gets a hold of our hearts and wakes us up and shakes us out of the slumber that we're in. Shame on us if, we, if all we do is come, to, and I'm talking even to our young people, if we just come to see our friends and we just come because our parents brought us somewhere, every single one of our teenagers, my kids included, are going to have to make a decision and have their own relationship with Jesus. He could even say that to, to a young person. Do you love me? That's the question of the hour. Do you love me? I would like to ask us to bow our heads and all over this place, every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Lord God. I cannot see a person's heart. I don't know what you might be dealing with. I don't know how this message has touched you and spoken to you, how the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart. But let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Those spiritual ears today need to be listening to the voice of God. He loved you first. He knew you before you were born. He knows every hidden thing in your life. He knows every secret thought. And He draws us and He calls us out of that place. His Holy Spirit speaks to us and draws us out. He says, do you love me? Do you want to know that fellowship, that relationship that comes from having Jesus at work in your heart? Oh, it's a terrible thing to be away from God. To even have known the love of God and not be in that place where there's where it's like something's off and it's not right. Tonight, I want to give you this opportunity. It's the opportunity of a lifetime to know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. And even if you're a, a Christian here tonight, to be able to make that decision and say, you know what, I think my love for Him could be deeper. I could be closer to Him. I think there's areas of my life that, that need to be dealt with. There's something in here that's, that's there's a hinder, something hindering me my, in my walk with the Lord that needs to be addressed and dealt with. What if it were you sitting? I want you to put yourself tonight in Peter's shoes. Sitting across the fire, 
And there's the one who went to Calvary, the one that went to the cross. He's got the nail prints in his hands. And he looks across at us and he says, do you love me? It's not an accusation. It's, not a, it's, it's meant to, to invite us closer to him. Because at that place, we have the choice. And the choice before us here tonight is, what are we going to do with Jesus? This decision makes the difference. This decision is the one that everything else hinges on. This is the starting line. I want to ask how many across this place, for the first time, you say, I've not, I've not given my life to Jesus, but I need salvation. Remember me and pray for me, Pastor. How many would raise up your hand, lift it up, and, and you'd put it back down. you say, that's me. I need Jesus to come into my life. I'm not ready to stand in his presence in my condition. I need him. I see this one. Yes, you can put it down. Amen. How many others? Be honest. You say, I need salvation. I want Jesus. I want, I want him to be real in my life. Pray for me. Amen. I see this one. God bless you, sir. Yes. How many others? Now, if it's maybe you, maybe you say, you know what? I need to rededicate my life. I've I've lost my way. I need to come back to Him, just like Peter. Listen, there's no shame in that. The shame comes when we are unwilling and unrepentant, and we say, you know what? I could never, I could never go back. Our, don't let our pride keep us from knowing the forgiveness and the fullness of God. And you say, you know what, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've lost my way. I'm a lot like Peter was on that day, and I don't want to be that way, and I need Jesus to forgive me. How many would quickly raise up your hands all over this place, and you just put it up and put it back down? We're going to pray together in just a minute. How many quickly? Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand in this place. Tonight, I want to open up these altars, and I want to give us time. I don't want us to be in a hurry. You know, we, we sometimes look at ourselves and we think, I'm okay. I'm all right. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not as bad as this other person. You know, I've seen other people that I'm not as bad as they are. And we judge ourselves by other people. But how about we measure ourselves according to Jesus when Jesus says, do you love me? I mean, that, he, he can see through Peter. He can see through all of our excuses and all of our lies. I think tonight we need to really get, get right with God and lay some things before the Lord in our lives. Why don't we just come and find a place? These altars are open. We're going to make time tonight. We're going to make time for prayer. We're going to make time for decisions. This is not about how long have you been in church. This is not about what your position is in ministry. doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't, it does, none of those things matter. This is, the question is, do you love him? Do you love him? Amen. Let's, let's find a place to pray. Let's, let's really get a hold of the Lord. What is it that, that's on your heart? What is it that you need to address in your own life? Don't look at me. Don't, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. It's really between us and the Lord. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.